Welcome to episode 59 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by author Robert Busolato. Robert came to The Bookshelf this past weekend to sign copies of his latest book, Jimmy Carter in Plains, all about the presidential hometown, and so today we'll be talking about his um, history books as well as Jimmy Carter and what it's like to live in a small town. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone how important rating and reviewing us on iTunes is. It's a great way to let me know how many people are listening to the podcast um, and informs us kind of where people are from, what you like about the podcast, ways we can improve. Um, and it's the only way that iTunes kind of moves your podcast up in the ranking rankings. So rating and reviewing us is really important and it's really easy. So all you have to do is through the iTunes podcast app, um, you can just click through and give us four or five stars, I hope, um, and let us know how you're liking the podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes for those of you who maybe like me are a little technologically challenged, and that way you can just click over and review us um, online or through your phone. Um, Any rating and review would be so helpful to us. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so you were at the bookshelf this past Saturday, and you are kind of launching your new book, Jimmy Carter in Plains. Um, but I really want to know how you became interested in this topic, because I looked through some of your other works, and it looks like you've done a lot of research about Florida and Florida governors and Florida politics, and I wondered what made you make the move into Georgia and then ultimately national politics. Yeah, you know, that seems to be sort of the question that I get asked all the time, the one uniform question. And um, for a long time, I, I thought it was probably because my uh, my granddad was in the Florida House for 20 years, uh, particularly during the 1970s. He was um, the individual who created the state's uh, solar panel energy uh, legislation. Oh, and he got a lot of help uh, doing it from the Carter White House. Okay. And um, also, uh, that era in uh, Florida politics was known as sort of the golden age of Florida politics. Yes. And uh, my granddad was, um, you know, was and still is a Democrat. And Carter was the only Democratic president that he had um, while he was in office. Ah, yes. So as as a result, um, you know, the Carter inaugural programs and stuff like that and, you know, little wooden peanuts and all that stuff, I, I always saw when I was a little kid. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was part of it. But um, the thing that always made me uh, find not only Carter, but uh, the town of Plains and this presidential election in general so compelling is the fact that it has to do with Possibility, mm. and what I mean, and what I mean by that is, um, we have a presidential election going on right now, and every two to four years, you'll see a congressman, senator, governor decide with absolute conviction that they are going to run for and win <laughs> the presidency. And everybody, every sane person, looks at this individual and thinks the same thing. Who the heck is this person, and why on earth do they think they could win the presidency? <laughs> and the reason is Jimmy Carter. Yes. Jimmy Carter pulled it off. And 
whether it is being a young farm boy and trying to maintain African-American friendships in a segregated South, or entering the Naval Academy in Annapolis, or running and winning the governorship, uh, the presidency, or now battling and winning brain cancer, yeah. he has this 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 whole aura of not only making things that seem impossible possible, but also making them seem uh, just easy if you have yeah. hard work, determination, and believe in yourself. Yeah, he's that American dream, I guess. It's kind of mythical, almost. Absolutely, absolutely. But at the same time, there's that sort of um, that parallel uh, approachability, which I think is one of the things that makes him so compelling as a cultural figure. Okay. This idea that this man who slept in the same house as Lincoln, who was in the same office as Washington, Sunday school every single every single month. Yeah. And anybody can go hear him. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Have you been um, to Plains to go hear him? Yeah, yeah, I went there once actually, and um, and that you know again that is another question that people ask. They ask me if I've ever met Jimmy Carter. And um, one thing that you you should understand is if you go to Plains, they have been sort of browbeaten by this notion that people seem to think that if they go to Plains, um, you can just sort of hit Jimmy Carter up for anything. <laughs> that, you know, he'll, he'll be here and, and, you know, he's just going to welcome you personally. Um, so they, they're kind of at guard when it comes to these things. And they've sort of surrounded the Carters around this whole decorum of how to approach him, how to communicate with him, how to talk to him. Mm. And that's how they open the program. It's, you know, don't call him Mr. President because there's only one Mr. President. Don't call him Jimmy because um, either call him Mr. Carter or President Carter. Things like that. Don't talk to him unless he talks to you. Don't shake his hands. Um, you know, all of these things. Oh, wow. And, and the end result is, is that when he comes out, he comes out to an uh, audience that is terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and so he has to spend about 15, 20 minutes trying to, to make people lighten up. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I have met every single Florida governor living from Ruben Askew on. Um, I've, you know, I've been on one name basis with about three or four of them. I grew up meeting congressmen and senators because of my grandfather. The only person that I was ever speechless around was Jimmy Carter, <laughs> and it is a it is a common phenomenon. And the reason is is because he is a part of that office. The office transcends the individual, yeah. and you know whether you you don't like the man, whether you don't agree with his policies, it's very very hard to be chatty right next to a U.S. president. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, you know, when I went there, I went there with one individual who actually has a doctorate in history. Okay. And it, he is not a person who is lost for words. Right. And he was silent the whole time. Oh. And, you know, and there was, there was one instance where Jimmy Carter said to everybody, he said, what does ordinary sin mean? And the room was silent. Oh. And one of the things that 
ideas that people don't realize when they say that he's going to Sunday school is is that he's going to teach Sunday school. He, you know, he wants he wants some you to sort answer. of, you know, interaction. Yeah. And so he actually kind of finally got sort of exacerbated, <laughs> and he said out loud, "He said nobody knows what original sin is." <laughs> and then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, okay, sure, sure." <laughs> but you know, I mean, and it, it was just one of those things where you you didn't even want to be talking to this man because you just knew that you were going to get caught as a phony, right? Who you know, and um, I have a good friend. Uh, his grandmother was a woman suffragette, and she was she was very big in it. She was part of the movement. I think she actually got arrested outside of the White House in the 1900s. Oh wow! Um, he he ended up writing a biography on Lillian Carter that came out last year, and, and he wrote a, a nice blurb for my book and everything. Um, he was having a lunch with the president and, and Rosalind, Rosalind Carter. And uh, Jimmy Carter said, when did women get the right to vote? And he instinctively said, 1920. And Carter looked at him and said, you're wrong. And the man said, what do you mean? And he said, African-American women didn't have the right to vote until the 1960s. Ah. And so that that's the kind of individual he is. He is combative, and he's very, very open to calling somebody out on something. And the whole purpose is that he's somebody who believes in continual improvement in himself. And his philosophy is, I only ask of you what I demand of myself. So all of that that going into it, um, the one time I met Jimmy Carter, I was absolutely terrified (laughs) um, for all of those reasons that I, I mentioned. And also because I'm just a total fangirl of the U.S. presidency. Um, as, as my wife will tell you, I'm quite the nerd. Um, and so um, I'm taking a photo with him. And as I'm getting ready to leave, Jimmy Carter turns to me to shake my hand. And I accidentally, um, with all of my force, smacked his hand away from me as I was walking past him. I grabbed the camera. There was this collective, like, from other people. I deleted deleted the photo, and then I immediately ran as fast as I could with Jimmy Carter yelling to me, thank you for coming, in this very sort of benign, passive voice. Oh, my gosh. So that was the one time I met Jimmy Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you got a great story out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so much of Jimmy Carter and his story is wrapped up, obviously, in where he's from and in Plains. And I'll be honest, I grew up in Tallahassee, and I just was not as familiar with the Jimmy Carter story, but moved to Thomasville, and, you know, Jimmy Carter is, like you said, kind of this mythical creature. I mean, Thomasville loves Jimmy Carter, and Georgians love Jimmy Carter. And so I'm really intrigued by the sense of place and kind of his story being wrapped up in where he's from. And since you've been to Plains, I'm just curious, you know, why other presidents, I think, have been from small towns. What is it about Jimmy Carter and Plains that we're so fascinated by? Well, you know, a lot of 
a lot of presidents have been from smaller towns and then they migrated to larger towns. Right. And I think that's the difference. Um, you have presidents like Calvin Coolidge that he grew up in a farm in Connecticut, but then he immigrated to Boston and that's where he went into politics. You have somebody like um, Bill Clinton who talks about, I'm the man from hope, but yet he moved from hope, I think six months after he was born. Right. And he lived most of his life in Georgetown and then New York and then finally Arkansas. Jimmy Carter lived in Plains his entire life. Mm -hmm. He didn't even be, go into politics until he was 38 years old. Right. Um, and then he immediately came back to Plains. A huge aspect of his candidacy was the return for Americans to this rural uh, yesteryear. This idea that this man went to um, the same high school as his wife. They were next door neighbors. Um, his brother owns a gas station. His father worked this land. He's a farmer. He wasn't a lawyer. Um, but he, he still lives in the one home that they ever owned. Um, and that you can go to it. You can go to this small town. And everybody knew Jimmy Carter. So there was this, there was this community campaign that was being run for him alongside the national campaign. And Plains became part of the narrative a lot more than any other town ever was for a president. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you had these people who were uh, the peanut brigade who were going to Jimmy Carter's uh, defense yeah. and supporting him of their own money um, in New Hampshire and Iowa and Florida. And they were saying to people, I know Jimmy Carter. I grew up with Jimmy Carter. I'm his friend. Right. We, you know, we, you know, and, and so there was this, this um, connection between his, his hometown that I don't think anybody has ever had. And I don't think, it, I think it'd be very hard for them to have. Um, and you, you, could, you could say, you know, that Barack Obama is synonymous with Illinois and Chicago, but at the same time, I don't think you would say that his campaign, his hometown campaign was essential to his presidential election. Right. The, the Jimmy Carter um, headquarters, the small train depot in, in uh, Plains, Georgia, went from being this rundown shack to being the center of the political landscape of the nation almost overnight. And the the irony was was that at a time when states like New York, cities like Manhattan, Chicago, Boston were spending hundreds of thousands of, do of dollars a year to attract strangers to come to and spend money in these little towns or I mean these big cities, mm -hmm. uh, Plains was welcoming ten thousand people. <laughs> every single day. Right. And they didn't spend a dime. And that was 10,000 people who um, were using the same two gas stations, the one restaurant that they had in town, <laughs> the two public ba bathrooms. And it was just, it was a very odd experience. It was not something that anybody expected. 
I don't think it was something that anybody um, really wanted to happen at first. I'm sure the the Carter campaign was thrilled because it was, you know, it was a great way to make um, publicity on the cheap. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was a publisher and a marketer's dream, but it was not something that I think the community of Plains wanted. Interesting. Well, and maybe that's why, I mean, Thomasville is obviously bigger than Plains, but I do think there's something really unique about small towns, and it's no wonder that they embrace oh, this well, Jimmy absolutely. Carter story. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and one of the things that I that I think is so amazing is, um, you know, I am from Florida, but my my grandmother for a long time had a business in Quitman, Georgia. Okay. Um, and so we would pass by Thomasville all the time, mm-hmm. and just just the just the huge commercial and uh, and I I would say business renewal that has taken place in Thomasville in the past decade and a half is is really unique. Yeah, isn't and it's, it? It's wonderful. Yeah, when I when we um, moved here from Tallahassee, we would visit other kind of smaller surrounding South Georgia towns because we thought, oh, Thomasville used to kind of be our escape, and now we live in Thomasville, so we need to find a new (laughs) a new place to go and escape. And there aren't a lot of vibrant. I mean, Thomasville really is unique. It's been able to grow um, economically, and I think. It's really kind of standalone in that way. But you mentioned you live in Crawfordville, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know what it's like. I mean, Crawfordville is kind of a small, unique community. So I'm curious what you like about living in a small town. Um, well, you know, I I was raised in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So, not um, a small so there's town. There's a lot of things <laughs> I don't like about living in a small town. But um, that being said, you know, I came up to Tallahassee for uh, college. My my granddad retired from the Florida house, and everybody just sort of followed him up here. And I was already sort of living half my years in Tallahassee anyway. Mm-hmm. But I met a Southern Belle mm-hmm. and uh, married her, um, which was the smartest thing I ever did. <laughs> and she moved. Uh, my suburb, but to Crawfordville. Okay. And um, I think the thing that I love most about it is just the beauty, the beauty of, yeah. of country life. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, there is there is a, a, a relaxed element of it. It's, it's also living that is surprisingly um, expensive in a, in a lot in a lot of aspects like as far as how to enjoy it yeah. um, because you are removed from the hustle and bustle um, you it, it's it's sort of towns I guess like um, Thomasville and Quitman and, and even you know Crawfordville and um, Apalachicola that are sort of designed for people that are looking to sort of escape to get into nature and um you know, it, uh, it's funny because I, I've been rereading uh, The Lord of the Rings nah. lately, and it, there's this sort of shire quality <laughs> to, to places like Crawfordville and Panhandle and South Georgia, Yeah, where, you know, you're just covered in trees and it's hilly and um, everybody drinks too much beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's, 
um, you know, it's just nice. It's lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like Southerners, and for a long time I didn't really consider myself to be a Southerner. I didn't really, I went to college in Alabama, and that to me was way more Southern than Tallahassee or... um, But I'm kind of embracing that we are Southern. It's just kind of a different type of Southern. And one thing I love about our place or in in the Panhandle and in South Georgia is just this sense of being grateful for the ecology and for the the beauty that surrounds us. And it's so rare. You know, it's a very unique part of the country, really. Well, you know, one of the things that I think is so great about – you know, the bookshelf, and I, I don't want to give you guys a big head or anything, <laughs> it's, um, is that it is, um, it serves a purpose almost kind of similar to like what um, some cultures like in Ireland or, or England would have for um, for like the local pub. It's a meeting ground, yeah. a communal area to, to hang out and participate. And that's something that is, um, is essential for small towns. Yeah. Small towns, they are remote. They are, you know, it's almost in some in some senses like a sea of loneliness because <laughs> there's just nothing but man and nature. Yeah. And so you need you need those campfires to gather people around, and that's something that's really great about the bookshelf, about um, about local businesses. Yeah. Um, in general, you know, boutique shops. Um, you know, all of these things, bed and breakfasts, all those things that, that they have um, that have been popping up in South Georgia for about the past 10 years. Yeah. Efforts to, to renew this uh, milder, uh, quieter way of life. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the term for that is third places and this idea that we need kind of other places to spend our time and to gather together. And so, yeah, that's certainly a goal of the bookshelf. And I think it's really a goal of, you know, the downtown community of Thomasville is give people um, places where they can exchange ideas. Because, you know, much like Tallahassee and Crawfordville, we're nowhere near like an international airport. Like, it's hard to get out of here. So so while we're here, we might as well exchange ideas and talk to each other. So I I certainly hope that's what the bookshelf is. but speaking of small businesses and independent bookstores, you are on a book tour of sorts, I guess. Where all have you been or are you going to talk about this new book? Well, um, you know, I, I do this um, as sort of like a, a side career. Mm-hmm. So, um, and being that I am uh, a, a father of a newborn, you know, mm-hmm. you met you met my son when he was there. Yes. Um, it I it is sort of a, a book tour of sorts. Yes. You know, you got to sort of piece it out a little bit. Right. Um, I had the the book launch um, in the the presidential library, Jimmy Carter's presidential library. Um, I've been to Equipment, uh, Georgia, the bookstore of course, yeah, the bookshelf of course. Um, I gave a lecture and a book signing in Americus, Georgia, and in Plains, Georgia, which is where, you know, obviously this whole book takes place Right. Um, on President's Day. I have a, another event on Thomasville um, on the 18th. On the 19th, I have a book signing uh, here in town in Tallahassee. Then I'm going to be in Crawfordville, uh, equipment again, and I will be in Atlanta on the 27th of April. Okay. 
And can people, is that schedule online somewhere? Like, Yeah, yeah, I have, uh, I have an author page on, um, on Amazon. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and then my other kind of final question um, that I always ask people, and you've already maybe hinted to it a little bit, but I'm curious, what are you reading right now? Well, I um, I have another job where I'm actually a book reviewer oh, fun. for uh, the San Francisco and Manhattan Book Review, and I also uh, give some um, reviews for um, the Tulsa Book Review. Okay. So, um, so I have uh, one or two books that I read monthly that uh, the company sends to me. Um, one that I'm actually reviewing right now for the author is a book called uh, The Stone Door, which is a, a teen fantasy fiction. Okay. Um, which, you know, is, is interesting, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm reading um, another book called uh, Why Are the Dutch So Different? And it's a, um, it's a work of nonfiction, and it's about an English man who uh, falls in love with a Dutch girl when he's sort of bumming around in the Caribbean looking for a job. And on a whim, he follows her back to Amsterdam, and it's about his um, goals as an Englishman to try and assimilate to the Dutch. Oh, interesting. It's, it's a very, very interesting book. It's a very, very good book. Oh, good. Um, and I would definitely highly recommend it. And, um, you know, I, I have books on tape that I listen to um, every day, which right now I'm listening to Return of the King, and uh, I'm listening to uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, fun. Um, my husband, yeah. so he commutes every day from Thomasville to Tallahassee, so he has really gotten into audiobooks. And um, he just finished the Lord of the Rings trilogy on audiobook as well. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's great. Yeah. It really is. Uh, and you know, and it it is um, as far as like details are concerned, it is ridiculous what um, what that man was able to create with that trilogy. It's, it's really quite interesting. Yeah, real uh, just amazing the kind of talent and imagination that that authors have to have really to be able to oh, to create these worlds that we love so much. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We will put a link um, to your author page in the show notes, and we will um, share with everyone where they can find you and where they can grab this really great book. I have certainly learned a lot, even just flipping through it. I learned so much, and Jimmy Carter was actually a question on Jeopardy last night, and I knew it because oh, I re- I flipped through your book. And so, <laughs> so um, anyway, so it's really so interesting, especially if you're like me and you're kind of new to, I guess, South Georgia and their passion for Jimmy Carter, it was able to kind of fill me in on why Plains is important and why why his presidency was important. So um, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for um, all you guys at the bookshelf do. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, local bookshop. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, You all can catch full episodes of the podcast on iTunes and at our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Bookshelf Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.